Chapter Four of Mysteries of Paris, Volume One by Eugène Sue. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Four: The Chourineur's History. The reader has not forgotten the two guests at the tapis franc who were watched so closely by the third individual who had come into the cabaret. We have said that one of these fellows, who had on a Greek cap and concealed his left hand with much care, asked the ogress if the schoolmaster and Grosboiteux had not arrived during the story of the goualeuse which they could not overhear they had been constantly talking in a very low tone throwing occasional hurried glances at the door he who wore the greek cap said to his comrade the gros boiteux does not show nor the schoolmaster perhaps the skeleton has done for him and made off with the swag a precious go that would be for us who laid the plant and look out for our snacks replied the other the newcomer who observed the two men was seated too far off to hear a word they said but after having cautiously consulted a small paper concealed at the bottom of his cap he appeared satisfied with his remarks rose from the table and said to the ogress who was sleeping at the bar with her feet on the stove and her great cat on her knee i say mother ponice i shall soon be back again take care of my pitcher and my plate i don't want any one to make free with them make yourself easy my fine fellow said mother ponice if your plate and pitcher are empty no one will touch them the newcomer laughed loudly at the joke of the ogress and then slipped out so that his departure was unnoticed at that moment when this man retired and before the door could be shut rodolph saw the charcoal dealer whose black face and tall form we have already alluded to and he had just time to manifest to him by an impatient gesture how much he disliked his watchful attendance but the charcoal man did not appear to heed this in the least and still kept hanging about the tapis franc the countenance of the goualeuse became still more saddened with her back to the wall her head drooping on her bosom her full blue eyes gazing mechanically about her the unfortunate being seemed bowed down by the weight of her oppressive thoughts two or three times having met rodolph's fixed look she turned away unable to account to herself for the singular impression which the unknown had caused her weighed down and abashed at his presence she almost regretted having made so candid a narrative to him of her unhappy life the chourineur on the contrary was quite high in spirits he had devoured the whole harlequin without the least assistance the wine and brandy had made him very communicative the fact of his having found his master as he called him had been forgotten in the generous conduct of rodolph and he also detected so decided a physical superiority that his humiliation had given way to a sentiment of admiration mingled with fear and respect this absence of rancour and the savage pride with which he boasted of never having robbed proved that the chourineur was not as yet thoroughly hardened this had not escaped the sagacity of rodolph and he awaited the man's recital with curiosity now my boy said he we are listening the chourineur emptied his glass and thus began you my poor girl were at last taken to by the chouette whom the devil confound you never had a shelter until the moment when you were imprisoned as a vagabond i can never recollect having slept in what is called a bed before i was nineteen years of age a happy age and then i became a trooper what you have served then chourineur said rodolph three years but you will hear all about it the stones of the louvre the lime kilns of clichy and the quarries of montrouge these were the hotels of my youth then i had my house in paris and in the country 
who but i and what was your trade faith master i have a foggy recollection of having strolled about in my childhood with an old rag-picker who almost thumped me to death and it must be true for i have never since met one of these old cupids with a wicker-work quiver without a longing to pitch into him a proof that one of them must have thumped me when i was a child my first employment was to help the knackers to cut the horses throats at montfauçon i was about ten or twelve when i began to slash chouriner these poor old beasts it had quite an impression on me at the month's end i thought no more about it on the contrary i began to like my trade no one had his knife so sharpened and keen-edged as mine and that made me rejoice in using it when i had cut the animals throats they gave me for my trouble a piece of the thigh of some animal that had died of disease for those that they slaughter are sold to the cagmag shops near the school of medicine who convert it into beef mutton veal or game according to the taste of the purchasers however when i got to my morsel of horse's flesh i was as happy as a king i went with it into the lime kiln like a wolf to his lair and then with the leave of the lime burners i made a glorious fry on the ashes when the burners were not at work i picked up some dry wood at romainville set light to it and broiled my steak under the walls of the bone-house the meat certainly was bloody and almost raw but that made a change and your name what did they call you asked rodolph i had hair much more flaxen than now and the blood was always in my eyes and so they called me the albino the albinos are the white rabbits amongst men they have red eyes added the chourineur in a grave tone and as it were with a physiological parenthesis and your relations your family my relations oh they lodge at the same number as the goualeuse place of my birth why the first corner of no matter what street either on the right or left-hand side of the way and either going up or coming down the kennel then you have cursed your father and mother for having abandoned you why that would not have set my leg if i had broken it no matter though it's true they played me a scurvy trick in bringing me into the world but i should not have complained if they had made me as beggars ought to be made that is to say without the sense of cold hunger or thirst beggars who don't like thieving would find it greatly to their advantage you were cold thirsty hungry chourineur and yet you did not steal no and yet i was horribly wretched it's a fact that i have often gone with an empty bread basket fasted for two days at a time that was more than my share but i never stole for fear of jail pooh said the chourineur shrugging his shoulders and laughing loudly i should then not have stolen bread for fear of getting my allowance eh an honest man i was famishing a thief i should have been supported in prison and right well too but i did not steal because because why because the idea of stealing never came across me so that's all about it this reply noble as it was in itself but of the rectitude of which the chourineur himself had no idea perfectly astonished rodolph he felt that the poor fellow who had remained honest in the midst of the most cruel privations was to be respected twofold since the punishment of the crime became a certain resource for him rodolph held out his hand to this ill-used savage of civilization whom misery had been unable wholly to corrupt 
the chourineur looked at his host in astonishment almost with respect he hardly dared to touch the hand tendered to him he felt impressed with some vague idea that there was a wide abyss between rodolph and himself tis well said rodolph to him you have heart and honour heart honour what i come now don't chaff me he replied with surprise to suffer misery and hunger rather than steal is to have heart and honour said rodolph gravely well it may be said the chourineur as if thinking it may be so does it astonish you it really does for people don't usually say such things to me they generally treat me as though they would a mangy dog it's odd though the effect what you say has on me heart honour he repeated with an air which was actually pensive well what ails you i faith i don't know replied the chourineur in a tone of emotion but these words do you see they quite make my heart beat and i feel more flattered than if any one told me i was a better man than either the skeleton or the schoolmaster i never felt anything like it before be sure though that these words and the blows of the fist at the end of my tussle you did lay em on like a good un not alluding to what you pay for the supper and the words you have said in a word he exclaimed bluntly as if he could not find language to express his thoughts make sure that in life or death you may depend on the chourineur rodolph unwilling to betray his emotion replied in a tone as calm as he could assume how long did you go on as an amateur knacker why at first i was quite sick of cutting up old worn-out horses who could not even kick but when i was about sixteen and my voice began to get rough it became a passion a taste a relish a rage with me to cut and slash i did not care for anything but that not even eating and drinking you should have seen me in the middle of my work except an old pair of woollen trousers i was quite naked when with my large and well wetted knife in my hand i had about me fifteen or twenty horses waiting their turn by jupiter when i began to slaughter them i don't know what possessed me i was like a fury my ears had singing in them and i saw everything red all was red and i slashed and slashed and slashed until my knife fell from my hands thunder what happiness had i had millions i could have paid them to have enjoyed my trade it is that which has given you the habit of stabbing said rodolph very likely but when i was turned of sixteen the passion became so strong that when i once began slashing i became mad i spoiled my work yes i spoiled the skins because i slashed and cut them across and across for i was so furious that i could not see clearly at last they turned me out of the yard i wanted employment with the butchers for i have always liked that sort of business well they quite looked down upon me they despised me as a shoemaker does a cobbler then i had to seek my bread elsewhere and i didn't find it very readily and this was the time when my bread-basket was so often empty at length i got employment in the quarries at montrouge but at the end of two years i was tired of going always around like a squirrel in his cage and drawing stone for twenty sous a day i was tall and strong and so i enlisted in a regiment they asked my name my age and my papers my name 
the albino my age look at my beard my papers here's the certificate of the master quarryman as i was just the fellow for a grenadier they took me with your strength courage and taste for chopping and slashing you ought in war time to have been made an officer thunder and lightning what do you say what to cut up english or prussians why that would have been better than to cut up old horses but worse luck there was no war but a great deal of discipline an apprentice tries to hit his master a thump well if he be the weaker why he gets the worst of it if he be the stronger he has the best of it he is turned out of doors perhaps put into the cage and that is all in the army it is quite a different thing one day our sergeant had bullied me a good deal to make me more attentive he was right for i was very slow i did not like a poke he gave me and i kicked at him he pushed me again i returned his poke he collared me and i gave him a punch of the head they fell on me and then my blood was up in my eyes and i was enraged in a moment i had my knife in my hand i belonged to the cookery and i went at my hardest i cut slashed slashed chopped as if i was in the slaughter-house i made cold meat of the sergeant wounded two soldiers it was a real shambles i gave the three eleven wounds yes eleven blood flowed flowed everywhere blood as though we were in the bone-house i swam in it the brigand lowered his head with a sombre sullen air and was silent what are you thinking of chourineur asked rodolph with interest nothing he replied abruptly and then with an air of brutish carelessness he added at length they handcuffed me and brought me before the big wigs and i was cast for death you escaped however true but i had fifteen years of the galleys instead of being scragged i forgot to tell you that whilst in the regiment i had saved two of my comrades from drowning in the marne when we were quartered at milan at another time you will laugh and say i am amphibious either in fire or water when saving men or women at another time being in garrison at rouen all the wooden houses in one quarter were on fire and burning like so many matches i am the lad for a fire and so i went to the place in an instant they told me that there was an old woman who was bedridden and could not escape from her room which was already in flames i went towards it and by jove how it did burn it reminded me of the lime-kilns in my happy days however i saved the old woman although i had the very soles of my feet scorched thanks to my having done these things and the cunning of my advocate my sentence was changed and instead of being scragged i was only sent to the hulks for fifteen years when i found that my life would be spared and i was to go to the galleys i would have jumped upon the babbling fool and twisted his neck at the moment when he came to wish me joy and to tell me he had saved my life and be hanged to him only they prevented me were you sorry then to have your sentence commuted yes for those who sport with the knife the headman's steel is the proper fate for those who steal the darbies to their heels each is proper punishment but to force you to live amongst galley slaves when you have a right to be guillotined out of hand is infamous and besides my life when i first went to the bang was rather queer one don't kill a man and soon forget it you must know 
you feel some remorse then chourineur remorse no for i have served my time said the savage but at first a night did not pass but i saw like a nightmare the sergeant and soldiers whom i had slashed and slaughtered that is they were not alone added the brigand in a voice of terror these were in tens and dozens and hundreds and thousands each waiting his turn in a kind of slaughter-house like the horses whose throats i used to cut at montfauçon awaiting each his turn then then i saw red and began to cut and slash away on these men as i used formerly to do on the horses the more however i chopped down the soldiers the faster the ranks filled up with others and as they died they looked at one with an air so gentle so gentle that i cursed myself for killing em but i couldn't help it that was not all i never had a brother and yet it seemed as if every one of those whom i killed was my brother and i loved all of them at last when i could bear it no longer i used to wake covered all over with sweat as cold as melting snow that was a horrid dream chourineur it was yes that dream do you see was enough to drive one mad or foolish so twice i tried to kill myself once by swallowing verdigris and another time by trying to choke myself with my chain but confounded i am as strong as a bull the verdigris only made me thirsty and as for the twist of the chain round my neck why that only gave me a natural cravat of a blue colour afterwards the desire of life came back to me nay nightmare ceased to torment me and i did as others did at the bang you were in a good school for learning how to thieve yes but it was not to my taste the other prigs bullied me but i soon silenced them with a few thumps of my chain it was in this way i first knew the schoolmaster and i must pay him the compliment due to his blows he paid me off as you did some little time ago he is then a criminal who has served his time he was sentenced for life but escaped escaped and not denounced i'm not the man to denounce him besides it would seem as if i were afraid of him but how is it that the police do not detect him have they not got his description his description oh yes yes but it is long since he has scraped out from his viz what nature had placed there now none but the baker who puts the condemned in his oven the devil could recognize him the schoolmaster what has he done to himself he began by destroying his nose which was an ell long he ate it off with vitriol you jest if he comes in this evening you'll see he had a nose like a parrot and now it is as flat as in a death's head to say nothing of his lips which are as thick as your fist and his face which is as wrinkled as the waistcoat of a rag-picker and so he is not recognized it is six months since he escaped from rochefort and the traps have met him a hundred times without knowing him why was he at the bang for having been a forger thief and assassin he is called the schoolmaster because he wrote a splendid hand and has had a good education and he is much feared it will not be any longer when you have given him such a licking as you gave me oh by jove i am anxious to see it what does he do for a living he is associated with an old woman as bad as himself and as deep as the old one 
but she is never seen though he has told the ogress that some day or other he would bring his mo woman with him and this woman helps him in his robberies yes and in his murders too they say he brags of having already with her assistance done for two or three persons and amongst others three weeks ago a cattle-dealer on the road to poissy whom they also robbed he will be taken sooner or later they must be very cunning as well as powerful to do that for he has always under his blouse a brace of loaded pistols and a dagger he says that charlot the executioner waits for him and he can only lose his head once and so he will kill all he can kill to try and escape and as he is twice as strong as you and i they will have a tough job who take him what did you do chourineur when you left the bagne i offered myself to the master lighterman of the quai st paul and i get my livelihood there but as you have never been a prague why do you live in the cite why where else can i live who likes to be seen with a discharged criminal i should be tired of always being alone for i like company and here i am with my equals i have a bit of a row sometimes and they fear me like fire in the cite but the police have nothing to say to me except now and then for a shindy for which they give me perhaps twenty-four hours at the watch-house and there's an end of that what do you earn a day thirty-five sous for taking in the river foot-baths up to the stomach from twelve to fifteen hours a day summer and winter but let me be just and tell the truth so if through having my toes in the water i get the grenouille note seven a disease of the skin to which all who work in the water are liable i am allowed to break my arms in breaking up old vessels and unloading timber on my back i begin as a beast of burden and end like a fish's tail when i lose my strength entirely i shall take a rake and a wicker basket like the old rag-picker whom i see in the recollections of my childhood and yet you are not unhappy there are worse than i am and without my dreams of the sergeant and soldiers with their throats cut for i have the dream still sometimes i could quietly wait for the moment when i should drop down dead at the corner of some dunghill like that at which i was born but the dream the dream by heaven and earth i don't like even to think of that said the chourineur and he emptied his pipe at the corner of the table the goualeuse had hardly listened to the chourineur she seemed wholly absorbed in a deep and melancholy reverie rodolph himself was pensive a tragic incident occurred which brought these three personages to a recollection of the spot in which they were End of chapter four